This morning we are looking at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. And um, the title of the message is Equipping. Um, so if we would turn to verse 21, and uh, we'll kind of do this in reverse order. We'll do, chap we'll do verse 21, then go back and do verse 20. So the, the scripture says, May he equip you, and this is a New Living Translation, May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. Now, may he equip you. Now, did you ever want to know, uh, if I'm going to prepare for a job, <laughs> you know, those of you who do construction or you're doing remodeling or whatever, when you make preparations, uh, we have to figure, well, what is the task, all right? What is, uh, uh, what is the amount of time that it's going to take to do this? How hard is it going to be? How, how long will it take? How far away will it be? <laughs> what are, you know, all the questions that come through your mind as to, is, can I do this myself? Is there, is there need for more preparation before I, we start the task? Do I need more equipment? Do I need more help? Do I, what do we need? So when we are equipping ourselves, it's more than just a simple show up and it's all there. <laughs> if you are the one who is setting out to do the job, you've got to figure out what you are equipping, how you need to equip yourself for the task. Well, here the uh, writer to the Hebrews is saying, may he, God, equip you with all you need, all of the necessary items for doing his will. So when, you, when we're putting this together, <laughs> we're looking at how God is going to equip you to do everything you need to do. Now, sometimes, you know, we don't like <laughs> being <laughs> equipped. <laughs> we don't like uh, the, the process of being equipped. So, you know, sometimes we have dreams that God has put in our hearts. We have goals that we want to accomplish. But too often we get discouraged by the equipping process <laughs> of getting ready to get it done. Now, those of you who go hunting, I remember going hunting, there was a whole process of getting out the boots and the shoes and the the socks and the coats and the, you know, the flannel, the fluorescent stuff you had to wear and, you know, walking around the woods and carrying this gun and making sure nobody shot you. I mean, there's just those types of things, you know. You didn't want to look like a deer. You didn't put antlers on your head and try to fake people out. Uh, there was an equipping process. And it takes longer than we thought. Well, you just have to throw that stuff together and get out there. Well, there's, to those who are, avid hunters, there's more to it than that. So during this process, we have setbacks. Somebody did something wrong. Somebody did us wrong. The whole process fell apart. It was maybe not what they said, but what they did. So with this building program, um, you know, this whole idea, it's kind of the 80-20 principle, 80% 80 uh, preparation and 20% doing, or it's 20% doing and 80% or 20% preparation and 80% doing, but it often falls within those two categories. So the challenge is for us to keep the right attitude during the equipping process. Every struggle, every disappointment, every delay is depositing something in us. How we are responding, how we are allowing the Spirit to speak and move through us is all part of the preparation. It's making you stronger, it's developing your character, it's equipping you for what God wants you to do. 
And what does he want to do in your future? We don't have a crystal ball. <laughs> we just have faith. And we find where the writer to the Hebrews is saying that God will equip you with all you need for doing his will. God will equip you for doing for, for equip you with all you need for doing his will. So in this process of being equipped, <laughs> it, uh, we don't know what we're being equipped for because this isn't what I planned. Well, guess what? God knows what's in your future. He knows what it's going to take to keep you in that future. You may not understand why you're in the position or the season of life that you're in. It may be frustrating. It may be, appear to be stagnant. But everything you go through is to grow you up to do his will. God couldn't have allowed it if it wasn't part of the process. So without the process, you couldn't give birth to what God put in you. The process. Hmm. You know, I, I don't know, I, me, I've, I'm not too uh, patient sometimes. And... Uh, I get tired of the process. <laughs> I get tired of things. It's not so much anymore. I'm old and fat and don't do anything. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's you know, old and fat anyhow. But uh, we, we find ourselves doing things differently. And, you know, in the process of the years past, you know, you get upset with what's going on and all the, you know, why did this happen and why did that happen and what good did it do and was it very important? Should have I done something else? And all those things are part of the process of going and growing and doing things in your life. So if you keep passing the test, doing the right thing, giving, serving, loving, forgiving, your time is coming. So we're always in the process of looking forward to what God has in, has in for, store for us. What God promises you will come to pass. Did you ever see those massive cruise ships? <laughs> you know, there is the, the new class of cruise ships. It's called the Oasis class. And there is a ship called the Wonder of the Seas, and it is the biggest cruise ship built to, to this date. And it is owned by the Royal Caribbean International Lines. Now, did you know that well, it, take, it takes years to build these ships. They build them in sections and haul them in and put them together and stuff like that. If you, I've never been on, it, on one of those ships, but I know that the, the crews, just like Disney World, and, you know, you go there, you never see any of the workers you, because they're all underground. They all go through these little places they know, and there's a whole city underground. All of the supplies that go to these, each of these stands and all that, it all comes from underground. They have a whole city underground. And the employees and so on, they go to a certain place and they go down the stairs or down the elevator and they go where they need to go underground. So they're never going through the crowd. And so you, know, you wonder if you go there, where are all the people going? <laughs> but they're there, they appear. <laughs> where did they come from? You know? Well, in these cruise ships, it's kind of the same thing. They're... they're um, you can put 6,988 passengers on this cruise ship and 2,300 crew members. But you'll never see the crew members walking around the hallways because they have passageways that are special for them. They have their own sleeping quarters. They have their own eating quarters. They have their own place of resting. <laughs> so it's all through there. 
But did you ever know, you wonder how many, you ever pull in a ship like that for a fill-up? I wondered, how many gallons of fuel do they have? Do you ever, do you ever wonder that? Take a guess. Yeah, you just throw out a number. A couple hundred thousand. One million to two million gallons. They didn't give specifics, that's what it said. They will burn 1,377 gallons of fuel per engine. Now, there's more than one engine, an hour. I'll just take an hour's worth of fuel. <laughs> 1,377 gallons of fuel. I mean, they'd have to own the, f the refinery to fill that thing up. So when we look at those things, there's, there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of preparation that goes into it. That doesn't take the time of food. <laughs> there's all these people got to eat. And there's, you know, there's a sewage system on board. There's a drinking system on board. There's, everything is on board, and it's like, yeah, you wonder how it ever gets, <laughs> you know, no wonder people, I won't say get sick, but somehow things happen, <laughs> you know, because everybody's living in close proximity. So from our text, these Jewish Christians have their whole nature to be reorganized. They have come from, the, um, from Judaism and from the laws and the, the, what they had set up in the establishment of their society and the laws that came from Moses and the sacrificial system and all that, to come to belief in Jesus and to reorganize and to see how Christ has come to fulfill everything that they had put in place prior to this. So they were in a place of reorganization, and the, the writer here is saying to them that, that God would equip you with all you need for doing his will. To do God's will, this is the way we did it before. <laughs> you know, obey the laws, offer sacrifices. God's happy, we're happy. <laughs> now we come to being this understanding of being with Christ. So the prayer of the text is, may he, may God equip you with all you need for doing his will. Then we go on to verse, again, uh, verse 21. The reason for all of this is, that he would make you perfect. Now that scares lots of people. <laughs> make you perfect. While that word does not mean without flaw. Perfect is uh, that may he equip you with all you need. So that perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which will is well pleasing in his sight. So that God would do in you everything that is well-pleasing in the sight of God. So God has this, <laughs> he has this image of us that he has created us to be. And we're not there yet. You know, if you've arrived, let me know, and you can talk next Sunday. <laughs> you know, because we haven't got there yet. And, and so in this whole process then, God wants to take us somewhere beyond what we already have, beyond what we've already experienced, beyond all these things that we already know. Because remember, the, 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 the Hebrew people, they had all this stuff in place. They already knew this. And the writer is saying, but God wants to make you perfect. Now, the word perfect here, another way of saying this is to see the implication of this verse. The word perfect 
if we look at an animal and look at, say, the animal kingdom and the different animals in the woods and so on, the structure of each animal is complex. I mean, a rabbit, a fox, a wolf, a bear, a deer, you know, all these things, they're, they're, they are very complex animal, animals. And, you know, you don't ever want to run away from a, this th these two guys were out in the woods and they were, um, they ran into a bear. And they said, well, you know, um, you never run from a bear. And the guy says, well, I'm running. He says, don't do that. He says, I'm not afraid. He says, why not? He says, all I have to do is beat you. <laughs> I just have to run faster than you. You know, I'm fine. <laughs> well, you find that the word perfect and looking at the complex structure of an animal, it's a, it's a word that means articulate, having joints or joint sections. So when we're talking about perfect, we're looking at how that we are jointed together, not bone on bone and, you know, muscle and things like that, but it's kind of the same word. We're seeing how that we articulate, not verbally, but how that our joints and things work together, that this word is translated perfect, seamlessly, or equipping. So when God is making you perfect, he's like, he's like saying like the, the well... Uh, the, the greyhound uh, dog. It's like when it runs, it was bred for running. And you see that how the bones and the muscles and, you know, how the, the body just does in perfect harmony with each other. You know, it just, it can just fly faster than other, not fly, but run faster than other animals. So the idea is that what God is doing in us is bringing us to a point where we are functioning to the highest level of who we are as a person, to what God has created us to be. So it means every organ, every muscle, every bone, every joint working in harmony with each other. Now, <laughs> this is like we use the expression, they can't chew gum and walk at the same time, you know. It's like, you know, what, what's going on? Well, they, they just don't have that coordination. Well, God is saying to us, by the Spirit, He is going to make you perfect in every good work to do his will. So God is in the process of developing us, putting us in this seamless, you know, totally functioning position as a child of God to fulfill the will of God. So God is at work in us that we are fit not only for one kind of service, not for maybe just two or not even ten kinds of services, but for every good work. Every good work. Now, this might appeal to the, the Hebrews because they were used to the law and doing things. And now, and the, the writer here is saying to them, you've got to allow God to do a work in you before you can do the work of God. So how would you know what you need? You know, I can take a guess. I need, <laughs> I can give you a list of things I need. <laughs> I guess they'd be wants. Uh, but God knows what we need for our future. God knows he is making you perfect. 
not without flaw, but that you are being put together in such a way that like the greyhound dog is able to almost look like a perfect specimen of an, of an animal going down. The, he would, we would be that perfect picture of what Jesus Christ is. And of course, we have a long way to go on that one. But it, it's still the goal. It's still where we're headed. And so with the divine spirit, the Holy Spirit, abiding within us, God aims to reveal the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is a revelation of God that we understand from the scriptures. We don't have to try and imagine what the mind of Christ is. We read the text, we read the scriptures, and we see what the mind of God is. It's in the written word. And the written word is there to help us use the power of our own intellect, the power of our imagination and passion and memory. God can use every part of who we are to bring about a desire to follow him and to do the will of God. Verse 21 again, is that make you perfect, make you equipped to do every good work to do his will. God is working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. See, faith declares God is working in me. God is working in me that which will be well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The idea is that we will bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ so when the day comes when we stand before God, we can say, you know, God will say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the, that's the approval we want to have at the end of life. And we find that here in this process, we have to believe somehow God is at work in this whole thing. We don't, maybe don't like it. <laughs> we, may not, we may not want it. But it's part of taking us from where we are to where we need to be. Verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. What is God? He is the God of peace. <laughs> now, in the process of the change, in the process of moving from where we are to where we need to be, there is the peace of God that is beyond our understanding, meaning that we don't have to understand what's going on. We just need to have God, the God of peace, be in our heart. Because whenever we are in fear, we don't see correctly. But when we're at peace, we have a peace, and, and it isn't my peace coming up with, you know, I was speaking with a, a you know, we were at a, a wedding yesterday, and at the table there was an individual whose uh, husband had died, and I don't know if it's been months or years, but whatever we were dealing, whatever she was dealing with, she wasn't ready to move on. <laughs> so, she wasn't at peace with where she was at, and she wasn't at peace with the death of her husband. Now, that's quite all right. <laughs> but the, the challenge is that somehow, some way, at some point, that we are working towards our peace with God and peace with ourselves. 
And we know that our loved one is in heaven, but they're not with us. And so there, there is an, there's an anxiousness that is still there. And that's, that's all right. You're not going to take that away. But there is a peace of God that comes to us in the absence and in the, the void that is, that is around us. And so in the void that is around us that we are not where we want to be, there is a peace of God that can touch our hearts. So the God of peace wills, desires to give us the peacefulness which he himself possesses. The peace beyond understanding. You can't figure it out, but he gives it. Now, we're well aware of how life changes, um, where we can be tossed to and fro amidst all of the fluctuations and the worries of life. We wonder how we, this finite person, is limited in perspective and, and whose, whose very nature is change, you know, we whose nature is expressed is exposed, excuse me, to instability, whose emotions vacillate between anger and, and love, between happy and sad, how can we ever, in this respect of being this person, have such a view that I'm at peace? See, only God can do that. See, the answer then is when our hearts become pliable. When our hearts are tender before God. When our will is no longer stiff and obstinate. When we become like the bar of iron stuck in the forge. <laughs> and it becomes heated to the point where it's able to be uh, bent and manipulated by the tools of the blacksmith. You see, we respond to God's peace when we keep our desires away from pride and, and lust. We keep our desires within the limits of God's divine will. Embracing the will of God is for our life without murmuring. I always say when we were in northern Maine, um, in the wintertime, it would get, we had six weeks, it never got above zero. And it would go 20 below, you know, 30 below. And did you know the kids went out for recess every day? They came dressed for winter because if you stayed in when it was cold, you would be in for a long time. And they called it um, cabin fever, that people would not go out of the house. And if they didn't do that for long periods of time, they had what they called cabin fever. So in this process, these six weeks of never getting above zero, the kids were out every day for, for recess. Now, they didn't have shorts and a T-shirt. <laughs> <You know. laughs> they had their, they had their, their uh, winter coats on and their gloves and everything because they knew they had to go out because you just can't let them sit all day in a house or in, uh, they had to go out and play. So you see... Change in our life has to be adapted. It will adapt to where we are at. And God has a way of helping us to adapt. Now verse 20. The God of peace who brought back from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus. Okay, it begins with understanding that the great shepherd, the God of peace, who brought back Jesus from the dead 
if that, understanding that that is the God who is dealing with us, the God who raises himself from the dead, is the God who is the Prince of Peace who wants to work in our lives. And he is the one, the, the God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Nothing is impossible with him. Nothing is impossible with God. The raising of the shepherd, of the sheep, that's for us. We are the sheep. He is the shepherd. <laughs> to make Jesus, our Lord Jesus, to make him my shepherd. He will lead me to green pastures. He will lead me to the still waters. He will anoint me with oil. And that means that when the shepherd would allow the sheep to go into the, the, the sheepfold for the night, he would check every sheep. And if there were bruises and scrapes for the day, he would point, he would pour oil upon the wounds for healing. So the great shepherd is my shepherd who knows where I need to go in my life, and he will take me from one grazing pasture to another. He will take me through the valley of the shadows of death. You see, he leads me. His goodness and his mercy, they follow me. You know, people are trailing me. I remember when I was in, growing up in, in church, there was this one guy, he said, he would he, he was always say this all the time. You know, I just start something for God, and I'm doing so good. And I turn around, and I, he said, there's the devil. He's just wrecking it and making it worse. And I just see him wrecking it worse. I said, don't turn back. <laughs> don't look back, because goodness and mercy is following you, not the devil. <laughs> the goodness and mercy will tramp him out. Just reckon on where you're at and where you're going. Let the past up to God. Amen. Thank you very much. I thought that was a good thought at that time of my life. So, equipping. Um, so we are to take courage in Christ because he has put all things under his feet. <laughs> Our growing into the likeness of Jesus Christ cor corresponds to God's will concerning us. You see, the, the text that says in 1 Thessalonians, in everything give thanks. We're not thankful that things happen. We are thankful that God is with us, that we can go through the things that happen. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. This is the place I am, so therefore I will thank God for being with me where I am at. Because I know in my thanksgiving, he has a plan to take me further. Equipping in Christ, there is power to make each of us pure. And when I wrote this and saw this, it says, to make us pure and sinless as the Lord himself. I thought, wow, <laughs> I don't think I can become that. Well, you can't be. Only Jesus can make that happen. Because when I'm washed, you know, you do your laundry, you don't pull it out and say, oh, there's stains on it. <laughs> if you do, you tell the guy to you know, the husband, the women do the laundry, tell the husband not to get it dirty. You know, that's what you do to clean it, right? Well, in this case, when God, when Christ washes us from our sins, there's no spot. There's no remembrance. It's like we are pure. We are pure. 
Equipping in Christ, there is power to make each of us pure. Verse 20, now we, now the peace, the God of peace, who brought back from the dead that great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus, by the blood of the everlasting covenant. This happened by the blood of the everlasting covenant. You know what the everlasting covenant is? The New Testament. It is the new covenant God has instigated for us, instilled for us, that we need to understand God's agreement in the covenant. <laughs> it's not a grand suggestion. <laughs> you know, I suggest that you do this. No, it's a command that we do. God's covenant is established within the gospel. And as we understand the scriptures, the covenant becomes greater. The, the contract that God has signed and placed himself responsible for, and the greater responsibility is with God. And he just wants us to agree to it. I will save you from your sin. I will, I, I give, I've given myself to die on the cross for you that all sins for, could be forgiven. That's the covenant. Now I want you to agree to it. So out of the unlimited possibilities comes some limits. God is limited by his nature. He's limited by his love. You see, there are so many promises that God has given us. I can do all things. Every good and perfect thing is a gift from God. And everything gives thanks. These are promises that God lays on our heart. He lays them out before us so that we will know you can't make this happen. I have to make it happen for you. <laughs> now the God of peace, verse 20, that brought again the dead, of, brought back again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. <laughs> Did you know when a hydropower plant produces electricity? <laughs> And it produces electricity by the water in the dam being held back and the, the lets an outlet down through and runs these turbines. And the turbines produce electricity. If you cut off the water, the turbines don't work. Return the flow of water, the turbines start running and electricity is flowing. The plant is completely dependent on the outward supply of water. So it's obvious that we don't throw away the turbines when the water stops flowing. We need, to, we need to let the water in. So it is with the Christian. So it is with the, our work in serving God. The living stream must be poured out from on high. It is the God of peace who pours out his spirit upon us. And it is that seemingly that dam, that we, the dam, are there and God's spirit pours down through us and the turbines of our life are working and producing the current, producing the effect of what God wants done in our society, in our world, and in our life. Equipping may be that you will need to do his will. It may be that he has produced in you the power to do something that is beyond what you ever thought you could. We find that if you make a violin or take a violin and put it in the hands of a poor player, <laughs> it makes screeching sound. But if you put the violin in the hands of a person who knows 
how to play. It's beautiful. You see, who knows what God can do through you, your instrument, your life, your piece of clay. When the Spirit of God flows through you, that the Spirit is the, the, the turbines by which you produce and do. It isn't your power. It is the power that flows through you. It is the power of God that works in your life. And, and God has a purpose. God has a plan. And you see, he wants to do that work in us. He wants to do that work through us. But we have to be willing to say that we don't know what to do. God, you need to do this for us. Now the God of peace, who brought back from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus. He did it for us. By the blood of the everlasting agreement. By the blood of the everlasting agreement. No matter where you go, no matter what happens in your life, this is an agreement that God has purchased for us. Equip you. He will equip you. He will make you perfect, not without flaw, but as a, an animal that is seamless in its, in its running and its, in its doing and li living. We find that it is that type of seamlessness in our, in our hearts and in our lives. Equip you thoroughly for doing his will. May he affect in you everything that pleases him. May he do a work in us and we be submissive enough that what we do is pleasing to Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And so when it comes to life, to the end of life, we will say, God will say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you see, I think of it being in the presence of God. In the presence of God, there is the Holy Spirit that flows through our life. And as the water goes through the turbines and spins them and it produces a great current, so too the Spirit flows through us and produces the current that touches the lives of those around us. Amen. That's what it is. That's the water flowing through the turbines. <laughs> you know, we're the dam. The presence of God is the water flowing down into the turbines of our soul. And it's that presence of God that brings healing and peace, brings to us all this that we've spoken of in these verses. The God of peace, who brought back from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep. It's in his presence that we recognize that. These are truths that are not, that are not only captured in our mind, but the presence of God captures it in our soul. And it's from there we believe. We understand and we continue to have faith and know that God is in the process of taking us from where we are to where he wants us to be. So in the process, God help us to be at peace, to know that we are in your presence. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. And in your presence, we have forgiveness of sin. We have life everlasting. And when it's all said and done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord, heaven. Amen? Let's stand.
It's a unique, not a unique, it's a great place to be in the presence of God. He speaks to our hearts and quiets our soul. He heals our body. He heals the wounds of our heart. He gives us hope. He gives us strength. I mean, whatever we have need of, the presence of God is there. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your holy presence. Lord, we know you're always like this, like this with us every moment of every day. It's just sometimes we're just so busy we're not aware of it. And so, Lord, help us to remember that you are present with us every moment. And the needs of our life, the prayers that we have, God, we offer them to you. You hear and answer our prayers. God, give us the strength and the faith to allow your spirit to move through us that we would accomplish your will and your purpose. Thank you, God, for loving us that much. Thank you, God, for touching our hearts and forgiving us <laughs> and, Lord, helping us to do what is necessary, what is your will. And I pray, O oh God, for your healing touch to be upon those that are with us, that, Lord, they need a touch from you. And, Lord, for those for whom we pray, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to touch them. The hand of Jesus, you touch us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. God bless you.